We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is you can find everything for the show. Let's get right into it because I'm being joined by my guy. Professional better from the East Coast. Some would say the best coast. <laughs> my home coast, but not anymore. Kenny bets big. What up, bro? What's going on, Nick? Uh, happy to be back. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, you know, I let I let the Patreons and and the listeners down last week. Well, I, I think the Bucks and Tom let us down more because that that bet was looking money. But back on Monday, we got to get the Monday winner streak started again, right? Bro, listen, that if you were to tell me that they'd have four straight turnovers and then a punt, basically a turnover, so that's five, right? I would say yeah. we probably wouldn't have made that Monday winners. Turnovers are very <laughs> volatile, but. Come on, bro. We were chilling up 17, you know, going into halftime. We're feeling good. Us two started texting and how shame on us. Shame on us for blowing our load early and say, yo, man, Tom, he's bouncing back. And then, of course, from there it was just a downhill. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's funny is we've literally had multiple conversations on the show yeah. about how we hate when our boys will start hitting us up before the bet hits. Like, yo, great pick or whatever they're saying. And, uh, you know, we mushed ourselves yesterday. So joke's on us. <laughs> hey, man, I, I got to say, you've been looking, you look a little slim up uh, up top, bro. You've been losing weight. Like, what's going on? You on this diet plan or what? Are you calling me skinny, bro? Come on. Nah. Nah, you look <laughs> nah. good, man. You look good. Look, we, we record every week now. So I see a little bit of the progression. You look, you, you look good today. Thank you. Thank you. It might be the black. I got the black on. Listen, I um, always no, wear I, black. I always wear black for that reason. You know, it's a little slimming, but yeah, I, it was it, noticeable. That's all. It, it does make a difference, but no, thank you. I, I have been eating a little cleaner. Um, you know, we were talking a little before the show. I, I was telling you a little bit about my bad habits where, you know, after a night of betting, I like to celebrate. I love candy, love sweets. So uh, I usually take a ride over to Wawa, spend about 20, 25 bucks on candy, chips, ice cream, whatever. And I usually crush all of it in one night, one sitting. But um, you know, I'm starting to get a little worried about developing diabetes and stuff. So I've been cutting back on the candy and stuff significantly. Um, so probably why I look a little thinner. Dude, I did the most fat guy shit ever last Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I went to bed early, like around 830. I was so tired, bro. I did jujitsu in the morning, did jujitsu at night, went on a run. Like it was like a full, I didn't work that day, but I kind of just like put my body through hell. And okay. bro, I wake up at like three in the morning and I have a, like a full course meal. <laughs> I wake up, I go and I grab two plates of food, warm them up, eat them, sit on the couch, eat them, just put the dishes back into the sink and then go right back to bed. Like this was a seven minute process that went down. And I had a couple of chips too. I was like, bro, that's the next morning. I felt like shit. <laughs> was, uh, 
were, were you under the influence of anything? Cause I, I, I tend to do that a lot. If I crush a, like a couple edibles or some, you know, a couple mushrooms or something and, uh, and I knock out, I'll wake up in, in the middle of the night, like a ravenous animal <laughs> and I'll just head into the kitchen and just start fucking slamming snacks and shit. And, uh, I wake up in the morning, like, dude, what the hell was I doing last night? <laughs> nah, dude, wasn't, wasn't the case for me at all. Like I said, I had two jujitsu training sessions cause I had taken the week off before and whenever I do that, it's like, all right, man, I'm, I'm paying a lot of money for jujitsu monthly. So I'm like, you know, I got to I got to take advantage of this. So I, I did like a two a day and I went and lifted. So physically, my body was just beat to shreds. So then okay. waking up, that's why I went through that whole whole process of eating. But enough about the eating habits, bro. Can I ask you something, though? Yeah, so good. For, so I've never done any sort of like, you know, I, I've always played sports my whole life, basketball, football. I was big into the gym weightlifting before I got into a couple of really bad car accidents. What, what is one, what is like something like training jujitsu costs like on a weekly or monthly basis? And then what was that like getting in? Like, did you have like a wrestling background or any sort of fighting combat background before you started training or no? No. So it's month. It's, it's usually monthly unless you do privates privates. It's where it's, it's you and your instructor one-on-one, but I've been doing jujitsu now for three, three years and a couple months. And I got into it because I love I love MMA. I love the UFC. And I have a lot of buddies that were training also. My buddy Jared, who fights, he would always tell me, like, you're someone who's very disciplined. I like the dis- discipline aspect of jujitsu also. And, dude, I'm not trying to fight anyone or, or do anything crazy like that. I kind of just do it for the discipline and to get in shape. And I've been doing it consistently but I would say it's about like 200 a month, 250, depending on the gym you go to. So I actually pay for it now as opposed to when I was back home. I wasn't paying for it because it's a long story. Like the guy that got me into jujitsu, it's been two years now that he passed away. So when I was training back home, it was like a lineage and, and working out with like his brother who took over the gym and whatnot. <clears throat> so when I moved out here, I started paying for jujitsu, Kenny. And I train less now than I did back home when it was free. And it's like, bro, what is happening? So it's uh, never wrestled. I'm a big wrestling fan as I, I sport the shirt of the, one of the greatest of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not one of, it is the it greatest. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm very upset at myself that I said one of because he is my goat. As uh, the, the Which, word when, goat. When, goat I was is, say, when we talk about soccer, we can correlate Stone Cold to one of these, the soccer discussion we'll have later. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the word goat is being thrown around a lot last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, this is this is my favorite person on the planet. I would say that's not a family member or a friend. However, we could go on and on about this. We do need to dive into some of these things. I want to start this conversation, of course, with some sports betting. But on the on the negative side of things, I don't know if I've ever asked you this or if you've ever told me, but can you give me a the worst bad beat you've ever been a part of? So when you say the worst, do you mean as far as the amount of money that I lost and could have gained or just like the worst as far as what looked like there was no way it could lose and then it ended up losing? Dude, I love that. I love that curveball you throw through me. Uh, If it doesn't take too much time, why don't you give me both? Give me one that costs you the most money and then one where you're like, I can't believe I just lost that way. All right, so <clears throat> you remember the finals where the it was twenty seventeen? So I think that was the year the Cavs beat the Warriors, right in the NBA Finals. Um, Are you talking so, about the comeback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The comeback was twenty sixteen, but they did beat them in twenty seventeen and eighteen after. Okay, so twenty seventeen, the Warriors won, right? Right. Okay, yeah. So regardless, the, the series doesn't matter. But there was I took the Cavs. They were a big underdog against the Warriors NBA Finals. Um, it was actually the game where J.R. Smith, like, got the rebound and dribbled oh, out to half court. 2018. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, at halftime, though, I had, I had bet the Cavs first half money line. And they were, like, a significant size underdog. And I would have won. I had it parlayed with a couple things. So, I would have gained close to around 40000 had this bet hit. Um, and I'll never forget it. The Cavs are they're up the whole fucking first half. And there's, like, three seconds left. They throw the ball to half court. The worst guy in the that I don't want catching it catches it. Chef Curry catches it. J.R. Smith goes for a steal that he had absolutely zero chance of getting. Leaves Curry wide open for a fucking three. Drills it. They, they go up at the half. They might have been tied, but I didn't end up hitting the bet, and I didn't end up winning the money. I think they were down. Um, 
but that was the that was one of the biggest as far as financial like that that I've lost like a, a, a money swing. Uh, one of the worst beats though is is actually probably this past baseball season. I had um, it was the the rain the Texas Rangers were playing the Angels, and I had the Texas Rangers first five innings money line. They were up six runs going into the bottom of the fifth inning, uh, and somehow they ended up <laughs> losing the fifth inning. So going up six runs into you know any half of an inning, you think there's zero shot in hell you're you're going to be down going into the next inning, but uh, somehow the Rangers managed to do that. <laughs> Sheesh, man! I remember J.R. Smith in the playoffs. I was actually out in Vegas the year that they came back down three one, and uh, my buddy Boss, he he used to be a member of the show way back in the day, Kenny, and we had bet J.R. Smith over points. 12 and a half. He had 12 at halftime. You know how many okay. points he ended up with? 12. <laughs> 12. <laughs> so at halftime, we go, we get this beer tower, we get a bunch of pizza, and he's feeling very, because, you know, he laid big money on that. And uh, we all threw in a couple hundred bucks. Also, we're like, yo, let's just pick a random prop and just bet it and have something to watch. And, uh, dude, we're feeling good at halftime. And then he scored no points in the second half. And we couldn't believe that shit, bro. We couldn't believe that shit. I'll tell you what, NBA is the one sport where no matter what my bet is and how close it is to hitting, I never feel good until it's over. Um, wow, yeah. Can you relate to that? You know, because like you'll see teams, you you go up 20 points in the NBA and next thing you know, you, you go get a snack in the kitchen, you come back, you're losing. And you're like, what the fuck just happened here? Um, but NBA is rough. Well, yeah. Also, I think the thing that's the weirdest about the NBA is that you have foul trouble too, right? So you might take Embiid over 30 and a half. And within two minutes, he has two fouls. Now he's on the bench for nine minutes. And you're like, what the hell, man? Now I'm not going to be able to, to do anything with this because he's not going to be able to play. I'm going to give you yeah. two bad beats. One of them is the sole reason, Kenny, I don't play NBA DFS anymore. And it okay. was, they, ironically enough, they both came in the same year. But it was right before the Super Bowl. The Pelicans played the Pacers. And I had paid up for, like, Anthony Davis and Victor Oladipo. This is when Oladipo was, like, the truth with the Pacers. And, bro, the game got canceled because of a leak in the roof. And I had, like, I had like maybe 290 points out of my roster. And I still had the right. guy I paid 11000 for and 9200 for. So for, for people that are not familiar with Daily Fantasy, they give you, like, a salary cap of how much you could spend on an eight-man, eight-man, eight or nine-man roster. And depending on how they perform, you get points for that. And, dude, I'm like, holy shit. It was a $50 entry that I had won a ticket for. I'm like, dude, I, I might take down some serious money. I got my two best guys going. And, bro, it was a rain delay, and then they canceled it because of a leaking roof. I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. I was like, that's the reason sure, why bro. I don't bet on baseball because of rain delays and, and shit like that. For it to happen in an NBA game, a closed arena, for that to happen, <laughs> I was like, yo, that's it. And I, I haven't played daily fantasy basketball since then. It's probably smart. Um, I actually have a buddy who he he made like some daily fantasy championship where they, they actually like flew him out to Vegas. And this was before sports betting was legal out in Jersey and, you know, starting to become huge. And uh, it, it was him and a guy, they were like, they're the only two that could win first and second place. And he had the Broncos kicker and he was in first place. My friend at this time to win, I think the prize was like a couple hundred grand. Right. Uh, the guy he was going up against had Peyton Manning. It's fourth down. The Broncos were up uh, where the game, like a first down would have ended the game. They could have kicked, they were in field goal range too. So they could kick the field goal, but they went for it on fourth down just to like, get the first down and then run clock, but they threw the ball and Peyton throws it to a guy wide open, kind of like what we saw in the, the Lions game yesterday with the Jets. And the guy takes it to the house and scores a touchdown. My buddy ended up coming in second. And instead of winning a couple hundred grand, I think he took home like 50,000. Um, that, that one had to hurt. <laughs> and I remember one time playing daily fantasy. Matt Ryan took three kneel downs and I went from first place winning 25,000 to third place winning 7,500. It was a $20 entry. And now, you know, that's one of those things where if you tell me in the beginning you would win $7,500 on this, I'd be like, dude, sign me up. Are you kidding me? But when you're that close, bro, and kneel downs minus two, minus 0.2 points for every kneel down because he was losing yards, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. It was miserable. 
And I think the worst, the worst bad beat for me, you remember that year the Packers played the Rams in L.A.? And Todd Gurley took a knee like at the three-yard line when he was about to score. The game, he, they oh, would have yeah. covered, they would have covered the eight and a half points, and the game would have went over. And to top it all off, he was my running back in fantasy. <laughs> so I lose the fantasy game because he doesn't score the touchdown. I lose my straight bet. I lose a parlay. And I lose a, a, a four-game team total, like game total that I put. Because right. the game didn't go over because he had a walk-in touchdown and he just decided to take a knee. I was like, oh, my God. I'll never forget that, bro. Yeah, worst, wor worst one. That was… I didn't risk a lot, but it, it was tied to, like, four different parlays, fantasy. Like, I probably missed out on close to $6,500 that, that, that one play because what it could have led to. They got you with the bad beat trifecta right there. That's, uh, that one stings. I, listen, definitely. I try to set all, and, and all the records. <laughs> and Gurley most famously afterwards said, I don't give a fuck about the spread. Remember that? In yeah, the interview, yeah, he's yeah, like, I yeah. don't care about the spread. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he's kicking you while you're down. It's even worse, you know? <laughs> man, man, oh man. Man, oh man. The reason why I bring this but all up you, is because, dude, the ending to… We had some wacky games this week in the NFL. But the ending to… The ending to Raiders-Patriots, I've always, have, I've always had that kind of weird shit happen against me. I had the Raiders in my contest. I'm so happy, Kenny, that I had that play go in my favor for once. <laughs> yeah, because I that was the one you sent me the picks, and that was the one I was like, ah, one, I'm a Patriots fan, but I was like, I don't know, Bill Belichick versus his old guy, you know, Josh McDaniels. He usually gets those guys fired up for these games. And, uh, you know, up 24-17, Bill Belichick team, that defense. I'm, the Raiders looked like shit yesterday in the second half. I'm thinking there's no way the Patriots are about to lose this game. And you got blessed not once, but twice. Like, that was not a touchdown. His foot was out of bounds. <laughs> Which, can the NFL make it any more obvious at this point? Like, what you know, whether it's some of these defensive holding calls, the roughing the quarterback where it's a sack. Like, bro, what are we doing out here? Now, now you're calling where the guy's black cleat is clearly on the white out of bounds marker when he catches the fucking ball. And all of a sudden, he's in bounds. Like, what are we doing out here, NFL? Yeah, the best was watching Sunday Night Football. One of my one of my really good friends, Josh, is a huge Washington fan. So you had a lot of chaos in that game, right? Terry McLaurin literally points to the referee like, yo, I'm good. Because a lot of people, they might not realize that little detail, but all the wide receivers, when they go up to the line of scrimmage, they look off to the side to the, to the, to the line judge, and they ask them, yo, am I good? Am I on? Am I on? Am I off? Whatever it might be, because it might be a legal formation. And you see Terry McLaurin just, like, signal to him. And he kind of, like, puts his thumbs up. And then the dude was, yo, Kenny, he started reaching for his pocket. He's like, yo, once they snap the ball, I am so throwing a flag on this SOB so quickly. And then he throws a flag. And then Terry McLaurin's like, bro, you, you literally told me I was all right. They asked him in the post game after what he, you know, what happened in that exchange. He's like, man, I don't want to say what I want to say because I'm going to get fined. And my boy Josh was going off on Twitter, was texting me. He's like, yo, go to hell, bro. I hate you so much. Because also the no, the no call where Curtis Samuel is being <laughs> bear hugged. Dude, this was my exact reaction. As that play is happening, I'm like this. And then I grab my face. I'm like, oh, my God. Because I'm like, yo, it's a penalty. There's no way. It's not a penalty. And then I'm like this, Kenny. And I start hysterical laughing when I see Daniel Jones come onto the field. I couldn't believe they didn't throw a flag. Yeah, it's, it's one of those where if you bet the Giants there, you're just, you're on the right side of the fix. The fix is in. And it's crazy because as betting becomes so much bigger and, you know, more prevalent throughout the country, and obviously technology is not what it was five, 10 years ago, right? Like now you can't really do anything outside without, you know, crazy without getting recorded most likely. So like that recording of Terry McLaurin asking the side judge, hey, am I on the line? That would have never been put out five, 10 years ago, right? Before social media and all these technology advancements. So yeah, I think we're starting to see like, you know, I think it's clear, like you can see that there's some things that go on in these games where you're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, there's no way, like, how is that happening? There, it has to be fixed because the pass, no pass interference call. That's a blatant pass interference call. Go back to the playoffs when the Vikings played the Saints on Stefan Diggs, right? One of the most blatant pass interferences of all time uh, doesn't get called. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know, hit or miss.
Dude, that leads into the Giants once again winning another game this year by one score. Brings their record to 8-2-1 and one this year in one-score games. You got the Vikings, bro. We didn't even touch on that. What? Epic collapse or epic comeback, Kenny? A little bit of both. You know, and, and I think teams, like, for example, like the Bucks yesterday, like, once the Bengals started getting a little momentum, you almost, I feel like you just have to go for it on fourth downs. Like, whether, if the Bengals get the ball at the 50 or the 35, it's not real. That's like one first down for the Bengals, which is not much, right? Looking at that offense, you got a fourth and one. The Bengals offense is starting to gain momentum. You got to go for it there. And that's what the Vikings were doing. Every fourth down, whether they were on the Colts 25 yard line or they were on the 50, they were going for it on fourth down. Um, and I feel like that's the right way to play the game. Honestly, I think, you know, the math says it, a lot of the, you know, the analytics say it, like you go for it on fourth down um, and the math will come out on top in the end over a longer sample size. Bro, I couldn't agree with you more because I see the same shit. Like anytime you play a Pat Mahomes or if you play the Bills, it's like, dude, these offenses are so explosive where you got to try to steal possessions from them. And one way by doing that is to go for it on fourth down to take the risk, right? Like one of the reasons why Herbert and the Chargers are always in these close games with Kansas City, no matter where they play, is because they don't fear the Chiefs. And they also know that, dude, we have an elite quarterback. We have a chance to keep the momentum or to keep their offense that's so elite off the field. Might as well go for it. And you're right, dude. Like going for it at the 50 as opposed to the 35, like it doesn't really make that much of a difference. It's, it's one first down, one big yard after catch and yards after catch and you're chilling. Like those, those decisions... They, they just leave me shocked. But I do think your answer is right. I think anytime you have an epic collapse like that or an epic comeback, it's a little bit of both, right? Like a lot of things have to play out the way they did in order for it to be a little bit of both. Like Matt Ryan, dude, once again, this dude cannot catch a break. Like some <laughs> of the biggest losses in NFL history or biggest comebacks, he's been spearheading them. But in, in, in the negative, in the negative. Well, yeah, it's not some of. He now owns the biggest comeback in NFL history, or well, against, right? And then the biggest Super Bowl uh, lead blown. So he has the the regular season and the playoffs, uh, you know, covered now. Uh, Matty Ice, hats off to you, brother. Good job. But dude, Vikings now ten and zero in one score games. Eagles six and zero in one score games. Giants eight two and one in one. score are you a one-score games kind of handicapper? Because that, that's a big one for me. Not for this year. Because it seems like this year, it's one of those fluke seasons where, bro, the Vikings might win all their one-score games. Philly might. You know, the, the Giants, it might be that magical season where everything goes their way. Even look at that Sunday night football game, right? That call maybe next year gets thrown, and it's first and goal from the one for Washington. So that's why, to me, every year, immediately the first thing I do when I look at futures, when I look at divisions, win totals, whatever it might be, it's strength of schedule, and then it's record in one-score games because I don't think that is replicated year in, year out. Is that something for you as a pro better that you look at when you're looking at a season outlook for a team? Not really. Um, you know, and I can use, like, a game like yesterday, right? We were talking a little bit last week, the Giants-Commanders game where I was telling you I like the Giants and you said I like the Commanders. You know, when have we seen a team play a team, get a bye, and then play that team again, uh, you know, in a, in a three-week stretch? And you're right. When you start thinking of stuff like that, it kind of makes it seem like, oh, the Commanders are a no-brainer bet here. But obviously, we saw how that game played out and it was not a no-brainer bet. So I feel like sometimes when you start reading into things like that, it kind of it doesn't have any effect on how, what the outcome of that game is going to be. Um, you know what I mean? And, and I guess if you're going to look at the one score score games and use that in, in and factor that into your handicapping, because obviously there is depending on the situation, there is some you know degree of that it can help you form a better wager going forward. But do you do you factor out like let's say for example the Bengals yesterday, right? Like they're up 14 points uh, at the end of the game. There, if if let's say the Bucks cut that to a one score game, are you counting that as a one score game? That's a fair that's a fair evaluation because yeah in the grand scheme of things it appears to be a one score game because of how it ended but you're right it's like if you have a game where a team is up 21 and then 
you know, they they score, the other team scores a touchdown with two minutes left, and then they get the onside kick, they score another touchdown. It's going to end as a seven-point game, one-score game, but it wasn't really. So you are right. I guess, I guess you have to evaluate each one-score game and add context to it. Yeah, definitely, because there, obviously there is variance, right? Like, I know before you and I started doing the show, one of the first, why I started following you was one of the clips you put out talking about the Raiders, how last year they were very good in one score games this year. It's not really panning out for them. Right. So yeah, when you see things like that from season to season and let's say like, let's say the Raiders last year, right. Like throw out the scenario I just gave you, let's say like they were all close tight games to the wire and they just won all won all those one score games. Then yeah, maybe going into the next season, you know, like, you know, you and I know as football fans, if you watch the game enough, the ball does not always bounce your way. So at some point, those, you know, those calls that you're, you're getting, you're not going to get, like you said for the, the game last night, right? So there's definitely some, some you know, credibility to, to factoring that in for sure. Dude, Burrow, 19-3 and three against the spread his last 22 games. What? Man's a freak. Man's a freak, bro. <laughs> and, and the comparisons have been like his swag and his demeanor is very Brady-esque. And to see him be the first person to have Brady blow a 17-point lead at home in his career, I think Brady now is 89-1 and in games in which he has a 17-point lead at home. Is this, is this something where we got to just, he's, the Bengals are, I don't want to say the new Patriots because we're never going to have what the Patriots did. But is he the new Brady in the sense of dude is rarely going to get blown out. He's going to win games. He's going to cover games, keep them close. Like, is that the territory he's heading into with Cincinnati? I feel like when, with sports, we get into this where we get into these comparisons a lot, right? Like, because yeah. Joe Burrow reminds me nothing of Tom Brady. If I was going to make a comparison for Joe Burrow, I would say it's more Mahomes. You know, he he's a guy that he has a lot of explosive weapons. He runs around, he creates plays, extra time for himself, throws the ball up, and somehow it ends up going his way because Jamar Chase bails him out, right? You'll see Joe Burrow, we saw it yesterday. He'll take out and he'll run out and scamper for 15, 20 yards, you know, sneaks a couple times. You never see Brady doing that. Um, no, I I think I mean I think Burrow's up he's obviously gonna be in in that realm uh, of you know echelon quarterbacks, you know, can, with the Brady's, the Mahomes, he, clearly he, the guy's balling. But yeah, I think Mahomes and, and Burrow are more alike than Burrow and Brady are alike. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like, I, I feel like Mahomes and Rodgers is the better comp. And then Burrow, Burrow to, Mah, to, to Mahomes. I don't know. I see what you're like, saying. There's but- no one like Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Because like the guy did it with for so long with no weapons, dinking, dunking, short game, long game. He was able to do it so many different ways. He wasn't never the most athletic guy out there on the field. The guy's forty five years old, and yeah, he doesn't look the the greatest this year. But like we saw in the first half yesterday, like glimpses of he's still Tom fucking Brady, right? Uh, that was a tale of two halves yesterday. Like even Tony Romo was saying it all game. Like this is the best I've seen him look, and the worst I've seen him look in the same game. <clears throat> No, I love that you said that because I felt the same way. Because I was ready, dude. We were hyping it up last week on the show. It was our Monday winner's pick. We both were on Tampa Bay. And that first half, you couldn't watch that and not think otherwise, right? Like, everything they did, that was the best they looked. The offense looked good. Their defense was making plays. Because also, this Cincinnati who has a really explosive offense as well. And they were all fully, fully equipped. Like, no one was even mixing was back. Chase has been back now. But... The, the thing that's interesting is I still think Tampa Bay ultimately wins their division. They have a 73% chance to win their division based on football outsiders with the remaining schedule of them and then the teams behind them that are only a game back. They do play each other a couple more times. And it leads me to the main talking point of the weekend, in my opinion, in the NFL, the Cowboys. Uh, and... I'm trying to prepare you guys that are listening that are Cowboys fans. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again because they're going to finish as the five seed. They clinched the playoff berth with the loss of Washington yesterday. So the Cowboys are definitely in the playoffs. The Cowboys are going to be the five seed. They're going to probably win 12 games, Kenny. They're going to be a four-point underdog 
I'm putting it out there now. They're going to be a four-point favorite, I should say, on the road in Tampa Bay in the wild card weekend. And then you're going to see Brady and the Bucks look like they did against the Bengals in the first half. And once again, the Cowboys are just going to let everyone down because I still see the same issues that I've had with Dallas all these years. When it's a big spot, it's a big moment, they tend to collapse. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we haven't seen anything other than that, right, to, to say otherwise. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I'm with you. I think Dallas is going to be a first-round exit. Uh, if you tell me who, who do you – and it's hard to say after what Tom just did to me yesterday, like a real kick in the nuts he gave me. Um, <laughs> but if you're telling me in the playoffs, who am I taking, Tom Brady or Dak Prescott, give me fucking Tom Brady. We saw him play once already this year. The Bucks beat him. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys offense, obviously – the offense is not the same as it was week one, right? It's, I think we can agree that the, the Cowboys look a lot better now than they did the first week of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Bucks can easily win that matchup. And I agree. I think it'll be like a three and a half to four and a half point spread and a real short home dog the Bucks will be. And we're going to see Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does, <laughs> win in the playoffs. Yeah, man. Listen, I know uh, that dude Nick Wright had painted the picture. It's very, it's very possible, man. They'll sneak in and... And one thing I like doing in the playoffs is I like taking, I kind of, when I'm handicapping the playoffs, Kenny, I weigh a little bit more of the quarterback matchup because that's when the better teams tend to prevail with the better quarterbacks. And if I got Brady going up against Kirk, Brady going up against like Geno Smith, it's like, bro, what are we, Daniel Jones, are you kidding me? Like, come on, bro. Let's not, let's not get crazy. I'm, I'm still going to take Brady. And I think that's what it's ultimately, ultimately going to come down to because Dude, the Cowboys, they barely got by Houston. They had to claw back to be Houston, who tries their best to lose every single game. And then you have to have a fourth quarter game-winning drive to beat the Texans. And then yesterday, some of your flaws came out against the Jaguars, who, yeah, the Jaguars have been playing a lot better, but you had a 17-point lead on them, bro. And, to, and, and aren't you a team that if you get up on someone— you're going to be able to control them with your running game, and you didn't? I'm not putting the last into on Dak because, you know, it got deflected and then it fell right into the guy's hands. Like, that happens. That should have been caught. But, dude, it's, it's concerning, man. It's not even being a hater. Like, I, the team I hate the most, bro, in my life are the Eagles, and I bet them to win the division. I bet them to have the best record in football. I have a couple of tickets on them to be the NFC representative. So don't come here and tell me like, yo, you're just a hater. It's like, bro, I literally have invested my money in the team I hate the most. But like with the Cowboys, it's like, bro, I don't see it. I think it's going to be deja vu until proven otherwise. Come, come January, it's going to be cliff for them when it matters. What do you, what, I, I'm just looking at the line here. Six point favorites the Cowboys are against the Eagles this week. Well, that's because they just announced that it's going to be questionable, leaning towards doubtful for Jalen Hurts. Because I opened it this morning and I saw they were a one-point favorite. I was like, oh, that's going to be interesting. I might. I was leaning towards like staying away from that one. And then right before we started recording, I see minus five. I'm like, yo, who got hurt? Like, did the whole team get hurt? Is Hurts hurt? And I didn't even catch that. He, got, he hurt his shoulder in that Bears game. It wasn't even on my radar until today. So that's why that line is what it is. I think there's no way Jalen Hurts doesn't play. Like, what do you, you think he's not going to suit up for that? No, nah, I think he's definitely going to suit up because you heard them yapping last week. Michael Parsons was on yeah. that podcast and he was talking, to, I think it was Von Miller's show. And they were talking about like, yo, he's not, he's not the MVP. It's the team. Like, he's not that good. And that's why, dude, I was, I was calling it out. My, two of my plays that I put in the, in the contest were the Bears plus nine and Jacksonville plus four and a half. And that was because it felt like the sandwich spot, trap, trap game in between mm -hmm. two division games. We've been hyping up this Eagles-Cowboys matchup for a long, long time as, you know, that's going to decide the NFC playoff race, the NFC East division. And they were just kind of looking ahead and they did everything they could just to, like, squeak by. And fortunately for the Eagles, they got by with a win. Unfortunate for Dallas, they ended up losing. Yeah, I, I mean, that's some, that's a that's a, a, a bet. I mean, especially like if you bet on like a bookie where you could like cancel a bet or something. Like I have some guys that will let me cancel bets. I mean, jumping on the Eagles at plus six is, I mean, I think they could win even without Jalen Hurts. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts is like a real big part of that offense, the way it moves and, and stuff. But I think the Eagles are a significantly better team than the Dallas Cowboys. 
Minshewmania, baby. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Gardner come in for a game or two and, and ball out, right? Like, that that's the problem with a lot of – like, all of these backups in the NFL, like people f- fail to, like, recognize this, that the backups in the NFL are still fucking really good. Like, you have to be really, really, really good to make it to the NFL. Um, the problem is they're just not really good consistently, right? Like they'll go, they'll have flashes of greatness, but they can't do it consistently over a season or a couple seasons, and that's why they're backups. Dude, before we let you go, because I have my buddy Alan coming on to talk <clears throat> some World Cup stuff, let's give people a uh, Monday winner. What are you looking at for this week? Let's see. What do you like first? Ooh, dude, I think the one that jumped out to me right away. I am going to stay away, I should say. The one that I'm staying away from is the Bengals in New England. Bengals are a three-point favorite. They opened at minus one. Now they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I should say. I think it's a little, uh, we're going to be drinking the Bengals Kool-Aid, and I could see that just being a, a pass for me at the moment. But I really like Kansas City to... We haven't seen a vintage KC performance in a while where they just, like, absolutely obliterate a team. And I think Seattle Seattle might be that. They're going to be at home in KC. It's going to be an early start. These games are on Saturday also. We need to mention how we have a full slate. Basically, the Sunday slate is on Saturday. But, man, right now, I really, really like the Kansas City Chiefs, even though it's a big number, Kenny. That is a big number, the nine and a half. But, I mean, if you're going to lay a big number with it, I mean, I, this is crazy to say because the Chiefs actually were one of the worst teams at covering those big numbers. Yeah. But I say, if you want to lay a big number, I mean, you kind of want to do it with Mahomes or, you know, Burroughs. Like, one of those quarterbacks that can just fucking light it up because, like, look, look at yesterday's game. Like, not many other quarterbacks can do what Joe Burrow did yesterday. I mean, I know a lot of it was the turnovers and the defense and the dumb plays the Bucks were making. But still, Joe Burrow led that comeback. Looked great. Uh, didn't miss many throws in the second half. So, um, yeah, he, 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 Joe Burrow's tough. Uh, if I'm going to pick one here right now, I got to go with the Patriots, man. Like, Ooh. you kidding me? Three and a half? That's Especially it. after the way that they lost, right? Yeah, like the way they lost, um, the, the way the Bengals won. Like you said, it's going to be a big media media week for Joe Joey Burr and the Bengals, where he's going to get hyped up. Is Joe Burrow the MVP? Um, you know, we counted him out. Can the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl again? Like this is all we're going to be hearing this week. And Bill Belichick's just going to keep notes, take notes, take notes. Business as usual for them. And yeah, I, I think uh, especially because they, they, like I said, I think that game meant a lot for the Pats going up against McDaniel's. Uh, you know, Bill's Bill's old guy. And I think they'll come out and I think we'll see a good game from them. But I mean, looking at the game, I don't see how the Patriots will cover three and a half. It's the NFL. So I know there's a good chance somehow, some way they more than likely will. But if you tell me, if I said, Hey, the Bengals are playing the Patriots, how many points do you think they win by? <laughs> I'm sure you're saying probably at least a touchdown, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a scary one, but same thing with the bucks and the Bengals, right? Yesterday, like, Bucks coming off that terrible performance against the Niners the week prior. The Bengals looked great the week before. Coming, on, I mean, they looked great for almost the last six, seven weeks. Dude, we were on the right side, bro. We were on the right side. I'd make right that. Side. I, I, I'd make the. I'd make that bet again with the utmost confidence. Like it, we were on the right side. It's just you know we, all those turnovers in a row is what's going to kill you. Right side, wrong result. Broken clocks, right twice a day. So don't forget yeah. that, you know, sometimes it's, you got to make the right bets. You're not, you're not going to win them all, but it's about being consistent. Uh, how are you feeling though, man? I saw you hit a, a pretty, pretty big future. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to see Messi win that, but I'm happy that you won, won your bet. I know you're pumped, right? Listen, man, 2022 has been the best calendar year of sports betting for me. And I think I can finally, you know, that 10,000 hour rule, Kenny, yeah. Like that uh, Malcolm Gladwell thing. I think I've surpassed the 10,000 hours in, in sports betting. It's it's the first year I feel like every decision I've made has been the right one, even if I've lost, which, I mean, you know the game, mm-hmm. right? Like like we were just saying now, right side, wrong result. This is the best year of sports betting for me. 
most profitable, the, just seeing things the right way, laid off the parlays, uh, a lot more straight betting actions. The futures have been great. I've hit two futures this year, bro. I had the Rams. I mean, the Rams were mostly last year, but, you know, the Super Bowl was in February and then with the World Cup. And uh, I'll leave you with this, dude. As someone that thinks that sporting events might be a little rigged, if it was rigged for Messi to win the World Cup, <laughs> old Dirk McGirt has some money on it, baby. <laughs> Hey Kenny, this was yeah, uh, this was this was a banger, bro. We'll do this again. And and Messi's still not the go, bro. Like, I don't want to hear that. You know, as a, I see a lot of a lot of a lot of slander towards my guy Ronaldo on on social media. <clears throat> it's not warranted. I heard you talk a little bit about it. You know, we've talked about it. What, what Ronaldo has done for Portugal is not. You know, yeah. Like Ronaldo is is Maradona for Portugal, right? Like. Messi, in a lot of Argentinians' eyes, is still always going to be the second best Argentinian soccer player. So, like Ronaldo in Portuguese, in the Portuguese people's eyes, is like Jesus Christ. <laughs> like the guy, the guy d- did everything for the country. So, I think a lot of people forget that. <clears throat> no, nah, you're absolutely right, man. And I just put out that video that kind of echoes the same sentiment as you, dude. It's on the it's on the VM Instagram Veterans Minimum on Instagram. Check that out, Kenny. Appreciate your time, bro. I hope we have continued success with these bets. Tell the people where they can find you if they want to contact you. Yeah, yeah. You find me, Kenny Bets Big. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, my website, KennyBetsBig.com. DMs are always open. I do a couple of Instagram lives during the week, you know, talking about different bets I like, breaking down the slate. So if you ever want to learn something, stop by. Before we get Alan to join us to talk some World Cup, the chaos of the World Cup final. Let's run through the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum to support the show. We're at 60 members. If we could get to... Let's get to 70 by the end of the year. That'd be super, super dope. We got Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platies, Ben Coltsian, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, and Thomas Robinson. Get in the Discord. The Discord is free for everybody. The link is in the bio. And now, without further ado, my guy, A-Double, what it do? The greatest sporting event ever. So is that is that how we're starting this conversation? Man, I don't know what could I really top that. If you want to look at it from an objective, just pure entertainment excellence standpoint, like I just think just the magnitude of it, the drama of it, the technical brilliance of it, like everything that came together for this highly anticipated final. Because I felt this was like the most anticipated final since. You know, Germany, Argentina was really good, but maybe, and I wasn't even following the sport at the time, maybe France, not France. What was the 2 final? Brazil, Germany. Yeah, I feel like that was pretty anticipated. But I don't know, I just feel like this one had all the makings to be special. And uh, as you people know, I'm Croatian, so I will not put 2018 up there, obviously. But like 2022, like that, just felt like this was the matchup of all matchups. Like this was, everything was situated for this to be something special. And to me, I just think, this is something that we're going to talk about for the next 40, 50 years. Dude, that World Cup final, I think is, we, let, let's, let's add context, right? I'm someone that likes to add context. It is the world sport. It's the world's main event. It's the world's biggest game. You have two iconic nations in world football with two iconic players. All the eyes on it. Oftentimes, man, as a society, we'll hype up something. I've done it with UFC cards. We've done it with football Sundays, right? We'll be like, dude, this is a Sunday where you got to make sure you're home to watch these games. And then we'll have like the plus one weekend where it's like, hey, you know what? This weekend, maybe you should you should not watch football, right? Go out with the missus. Go out with your yeah. significant other and, and enjoy yourself, right? But when you add the, the, the legacy aspect of Messi and even Mbappe, who could have went back to back, you add the star power that was in this game. And then the fact, dude, that it actually delivered. I can't get over yesterday, bro. I think it's the best sporting event I've ever seen. The pressure of it and the two main attractions were Messi and Mbappe. And for both of them to have fucking banger performances, bro. And then you have the first ever World Cup final to go into extra times and both teams score in the extra time. The drama of it, 
the ups and downs if you're an Argentina fan or a, a French fan. And then for it to end on penalty kicks, it, it's going to be hard to ever top that, bro. Yeah, exactly. And I think we also have to include like the, just the comeback because everyone loves a good comeback. The fact that France for 70 minutes didn't have a shot. Like, they looked pretty helpless out there. And though it was a really dramatic move taking on Giroud and Dembele, but look, credit to the Champs. He's been very criticized over the years, but he made a, he just felt like the team needed some energy and they made some big time moves between, uh, I always forget the young guys, Muani, and then uh, obviously, uh, you know, Coleman came out later. By the way, I think Kingsley Coleman might go down as like one of the greatest all time super subs. I just felt like the energy he brings every time, like that pace made a difference. And, you know, credit to Shams, and it's just you had these different elements of like how this came comeback came about. But then I think something we always have to talk about now is just we got that iconic goalie. And man, Emiliano Martinez, I know he plays for Aston Villa now, but he's going to be somewhere big in these next six months because that's to me one of the most historic goalkeeping performances we've ever seen. I mean, bro, that save that he made at the end, 123rd minute to make that save, it, that was unbelievable. Yeah. That's like, that, that play is going to live forever. And then his performance in, in penalty shootouts, well, what he's done, like what he did against the Netherlands and then what he did against France also. But dude, like the craziest thing for me is just the way things were written down, like the way things transpired were, it was wild, right? Like Di Maria scores in the final after missing the final in 2014. Who knows if, we're having this discussion about the GOAT coming into this last weekend. If Di Maria, who at the time was one of the best players in the world, played in that 2014 final because he left because of injury. And that's been like the MO of his career, right? Like he plays a little bit, he plays well, and then he gets hurt. And he misses these big games. Yeah. So he scores in the final. He gets subbed out. And I felt like every substitution, bro, that France made was a home run, right? Coman comes in. Uh, the, the, the young... Yeah, Turam, the young buck from Real Madrid. I'm blanking on his name right now. The young kid's like 20. Kamavinga made a difference. Oh yeah. my God, that dude came in also. And then everything that everything that Argentina did was highly questionable. You know how I feel about dudes coming in cold turkey and being asked to take a penalty kick? When they put in Dybala, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to have him take a penalty kick. And he just shot a missile yeah, down the middle. Crazy. I hate that shit, bro. I hate that shit. It's... It's the it's the weird it's what happened to England against Italy yeah, it was, in the Euro Cup, right? The three guys that he put mm -hmm. in Rashford, uh, Saka, and Sancho. and Sancho they all get subbed on. They don't even touch the ball. And now it's like you know what, dude? It's the Euro Cup final. Go take a penalty kick. They did that with Dybala, and I was like, oh my god. Luckily for them, it ended up turning out well. I didn't have an issue with Coman taking the penalty kick because he got subbed in in like the seventieth, and he played like an hour. You know what I mean? But it's the same analogy with, with the Knicks a couple of years ago, dude. They played Trey Young in the playoffs, and Nilekina hasn't played the entire game. And with 15 seconds left, they go, you know what, yo, come in, you're our defensive wizard. You got to guard Trey Young. It's like, dude, what? Of course I got put in a blender, and he scored a layup, and we lose the game. So that was driving me crazy, Alan. I, I was really nervous about that because I was, I mean, I was financially invested in Argentina. Everyone saw, but also just because I wanted Argentina to win for the messy thing. It's like, man, if they go down like that, that's going to be brutal. Yeah, there were some real moments. Like Uba Bakamo, who was one of the two players of Rabio that just recovered from that virus, uh, he made like what two goal line clearances in the overtime. Like that, it just you just had these dramatic moments with these individual efforts. It's just like you're never going to forget. Like he's he's one of those players because I think I just thought in general France played a pretty poor game like most individual players struggled but you know just those types of moments where you make those goal line clearances who doesn't love a goal line clearance then you look at the other sides like argentina like as well as they played those two penalties conceded oh if you're argentine you have to be infuriated because they were both very careless particularly with ulta mendy at the tackling they just i think he grappled moadi down and then just a handball like how do you have your elbow up there in that type of scenario so just those types of moments, you just, it, it just has to anger you as Argentina. But thankfully, when you have a keeper like Martinez, who I think might be the most intimidating keeper ever when it comes to penalty shots, because he's massive to begin with. But the way he's waving his arms, you know he's going to talk his talk. He's going to showboat afterwards. Like he is a nightmare to go against. You saw with the Dutch, and then you saw with France once again. Like credit to Mbappe, who recovered very nicely after 
then missed penalty against Switzerland the last year. It was like Mbappe. They hit for him to hit three penalties on Martinez in the same game. I don't think he's getting enough credit for that. Dude, what about Martinez also? What he did to Chupameni, where I don't know if you saw the video, but he does like yo, he's a sleaze ball, bro. So he takes the he takes yeah. the soccer ball and he like throws it off centered, like away, and makes the guy taking the penalty kick to go and pick up the ball. You know, playing mind games, which I love. You know, get an advantage as best you can. Dude, what about what about this storyline too, man? Montiel, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. The guy that scored, right the guy that scored the game-winning penalty kick, was the one yeah. who gave up the handball in extra time. Right. So, like, to go from from hero because he played a good, he played a good game from hero to zero to being the scapegoat. Like, oh my god, I'm gonna cost my nation, and then to hit the penalty kick to to win it. I thought that was a, a pretty cool wrinkle. I have a couple questions I want to ask you because I do want to give. It, the story is messy and rightfully so because he's been such an iconic player for so long. But dude, I think what Mbappe did is the best performance in a loss I think I've ever seen in sports. And I really thought about this before I said it because I was thinking about like Super Bowl losers that had good games. I was thinking about NBA guys. Like the only one that came to mind was like, LeBron in in 2018 and some of those finals where he was dropping like 35, 12, and 8, and they ended up losing. But in one game with the world watching, for you to go out there and score a hat trick and for you to do what you did, like you said, three goals to score three penalty kicks in one game, one, like, yeah, just one game against a goalie like that in Martinez. Alan, I think that's the best performance from a loser ever. Yeah, I agree. Because you know what's hilarious? The first thing that came up in my mind when it came to you know standout performers on losing teams was Tony Romo in 2013 against the Broncos, which is hilarious. It's some random regular season game. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember Romo was going like throw to throw with Peyton. Dude, how, how can you forget that game? To lose the game. They, they scored like a hundred points that game. It was like it was like 48 51. <laughs> it was a wild shootout. Yeah, I remember that. Shit. I was so happy for Tony Romo because obviously everyone, you know, Tony Romo once upon a time was a big punchline, even though he had a very good career. He was definitely a punchline. But I don't know, when it comes to performances, though, yeah, Mbappe, because like, you know, the actual goal, it's like, so he had the two penalties, he had the shootout, but then that se- the second goal was just take it, have volley, and just the perfect connection. Like, that's just a pure goal scorer's you know, goal. And I think I saw a stat, this was the first time a player scored seven goals in the World Cup since Ronaldo in 2002. So, it just goes to show you, like, you know, he, he runs the world, man. Like, Messi, he had his moment. He's the greatest of all time. But, man, come 2026, and I think whoever's present, him and him and uh, Mbappe or her, you know, we don't know what this country's going to happen. But be prepared to see Mbappe at the top in 2026. I mean, dude, you, if you look at the lineage of France, in the last seven tournaments, they've made the final four times. They've won two, which is wild because. France was, like, they've had some iconic players. Like, Platini is the most noticeable big name prior to, like, the Zidane era of French football and Thierry Henry and all these guys that came after. But, dude, this run has been since, like, 98. And you're talking about their team right now. I would bet money that they have a better chance to make a World Cup final than Argentina moving forward. When you look at the roster that they yeah, have. like. about that. Bro, Pogba didn't play. Conte didn't play. They they had so many good players that are still young that haven't played. Like, this team is... And what what they have moving forward... And Mbappe is 23, bro. He needs five goals to break the all-time record in World Cup. What is he going to do that in 2026? Yeah, probably. Especially since it's 48 teams now. So, the oh, yeah, quality is yeah. going to get reduced. That's true. That's true. You but, put him one game against Jamaica. <laughs> who knows? But, yo, like, Mbappe... 23 years old. I think a lot of people became soccer fans yesterday, Alan. Those casuals, I think that was a great game. I saw some comedian put up a reel and he was like, if this is your first time watching soccer, don't watch again because it's not going to get better than this, right? One of the knocks. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, bro, like, uh, and again, adding context, when you factor in all things considered for this game to deliver the way it did, man, it really might have been everything that we wanted and some. And to me, Alan, it's it's something that's going to live for a very, very, it's going to live forever. 
like the way this game ended. Absolutely. And do you buy into that notion that this game is going to be something that is going to make a lot of a lot of fans? I would hope so because just seeing, I think people just love seeing countries come together, like seeing Buenos Aires go berserk, just seeing all parts of the world, and just you know, just the thrilling back to back action. I know people look; everyone's got their opinion on penalties. It is what it is at this point, but I just see think seeing electrifying superstars that like transcend the sport, like Mbappe to me does that. We you know we've known about Messi for over two decades now, so I just think having that star talent, the power of a nation, I think it will and. You know, thankfully, it'll never be in the winter again, which will be very beneficial sport. I do think it being the winter did uh, hurt it a bit because I just, I didn't quite see the fan for this World Cup, and I understand so because there's just so much out there going on sports right now. But no, I think this was a huge moment, and I think it just in general, like Mbappe, whether he's you want to compare him to LeBron, Pat Mahomes, whatever it may be, but the fact that he's 23 already at this level, it's just he's must see TV, and that's what people want. They want to see the the greatest play and. He's, uh, he's on course right now, for sure. Yeah, he's the next decade is his. Like, I, I can't I can't think of another player who's going to run shit the way he Norway, is. Norway, please, please get Holland to a tour in Norway. Please, so, Norway. So that's the get thing, right? Like, Holland, Holland is just as good as him, but he's never going to be in international tournaments, bro. <sighs> he's... They gotta be something good enough to make it to a Euro, man. It's so... Like, you gotta be really bad not to make it to a Euro. Like, I hope they somehow do. World Cup, we'll take it. We'll take it step by step. <laughs> I think the world could get behind Norway just because we, dude. Like Holland is must see. Like it's not like obviously the two totally different players have been Mbappe, but like you just you just like a cyborg. Like you just the way he controls the ball. Like you just want to see players do bully stuff and just do things that are superhuman. Like when it comes to superhuman abilities, it's like it's Mbappe and Holland. Like those are the two guys. This World Cup had a lot of moments. I'm happy the way it ended. I'm happy Messi has buried the GOAT conversation. Um, it kind of solidified it. And I do think that yeah. praising one doesn't mean that you shit on the other because Ronaldo did his thing also. And exactly. Ronaldo is one of those guys that are going to go down. Like, he's in the Mount Rushmore, I think. And, dude, who knows? If one didn't have the other, do they elevate one another the way they did? Because having that guy that you were chasing or competing with all these years is a big reason why they were both so successful. So to me, hats off to Argentina and to Messi. Thank you for that plus 550. Christmas is going to be wonderful this year. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens now, man. We're going to have Champions League. We'll have the Euro Cup in a couple of years. France will probably be the favorite for that. France is not going anywhere, folks. Uh, they'll be back. For sure, they'll be back. And also, look, they just won it four years ago, too. So it's not like a team that isn't successful. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with soccer, bro, because moving forward, like the next World Cup is here in the States. It's going to be big. And they're going to be the host nation of it. I know it's the North America World Cup, but 60 of the 80 games are going to be played in the States. So it's, it's basically the USA World Cup. No offense to our neighbors up north in Canada and our neighbors down south in Mexico going to be the usa world cup so i'm excited man i think it was great for soccer i think a lot of casuals are going to start tuning in and now we'll start focusing more on the nfl alan yes sir so i mentioned though you say champions league it's crazy that messi and Mbappe have to play Bayern right away like a month from now like that's just how crazy the season is and i do wonder are people going to actually get behind psg now to see like could these two you know superpowers now after going against each other in the final now come together to finally get PhD over the hump. We know PhD will never be a fair you know fairy tale story given all the questionable money they've uh, have in their funds. But nevertheless, I think seeing them two together try to finally bring a Champions League to Paris could be a real cool story. Yeah, one of my favorite things about the the World Cup and anytime there's international soccer is the embrace between teammates. And it's going to be interesting now to see them go to their club and see what happens. So it was fun, man. I really enjoyed this World Cup. Uh, I, thought, I thought the games were great. I think the storylines were great. And for as much chaos leading into the World Cup that we got, and rightfully so for many reasons, I think it delivered how it ended and how classic of a game. It's going to always be remembered as probably the, the best soccer game of all time and maybe the best sporting event of all time. So... Alan, I was happy 
you gave us some time to come in on this one. I know you were super busy, but uh, I definitely wanted to do some World Cup recap with you before we signed off on the Qatar World Cup. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with what you said. Uh, definitely will be one of the best tournaments ever. You know, that's another debate for another time. But like, look, we got our we got a good four months, four months, excuse me, four weeks of action. And uh, between the upsets to the great underdog story and to seeing the most iconic player of all time finally get what he deserved, couldn't ask for anything better. At Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me, veteransminimum.com, as you can find all things VM. Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan Stirk, that's A L L E N S T R K. And we'll catch you guys later this week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.